podcast family, we are recording this on December the 23rd, 2023, and this will likely be our last episode over the Christmas holiday because I promised my family, yes, it's definitely time to put the mic away, try to stop reading some journals if if I can, because that's taken me actually into my happy place when I read them. But nonetheless, I'm going to make that sacrifice, that personal sacrifice to not read my journals over the next oh, 48 hours to 72 hours uh, as we enjoy uh, Christmas. Yes, we've got family members from all over the world of all sorts of denominations and faith. In our household, we do celebrate Christmas. Uh, and so I do want to unplug for a minute. All to say that today's episode 1223 will likely, you know, I can't help myself, but I- I've got to stick with it this time, likely not uh, do another one un- until after Christmas. Now, it's not going to be the last one for the year because that's still got some time to go. And I'm sure stuff will be popping up in the news. So we'll definitely get one out before the end of 20. 20- 23, I'm sure, but this will likely be the last episode before uh, we finish the Christmas holiday. All to say, we couldn't resist, we had to get this out because SMFM released a console series just two days ago, which was console series number 69, uh, with one of uh, my personal favorites as one of the co-authors, which is Dr. Tita, uh, Alan Tita, which we've talked about many times on this episode as one of the big thought leaders and and pillars of MFM. Well, all to say we're going to cover briefly, because we've already touched on this a little bit uh, several weeks ago. Actually, on August the 26th, we did an episode called The Update from ACOG, which had to do with viral hepatitis in pregnancy. Now, this new console series is not on all viral hepatitis in pregnancy. It's just for hepatitis B in pregnancy. So if you're thinking, wait a minute, I, this sounds super familiar. It is a little bit because, again, August the 26th, we covered uh, all things viral hepatitis from ACOG's update. And now SMFM has done their own update uh, specifically on hepatitis B in pregnancy as of December the 21st. So it is our commitment to keep you guys updated on what comes out. Uh, but notice, we already did this. We covered the majority of this data now, what, three, four months ago, okay? But it is a great refresher, and this console series does go into a little bit more detail about hepatitis B vaccination in pregnancy. Is that a thing? Should we do it? And again, it's a good refresher about which test both ACOG, SMFM, and the CDC recommends to get to screen for hepatitis B infection. And it also talks about medications and when patients during pregnancy should be started on medication. So it's a great refresher, just targeting now, going a little bit deeper into the hepatitis B in pregnancy topic. And so that's what we're going to cover. So let's do SMFM's console series number 69, Hepatitis B in Pregnancy, which just came out 48 hours ago. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves really fast. This is Clinical Pearls. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everyone. I do find it interesting that ACOG did their bulletin. And then SNFM is like, holy crap, we got to get something out there too about hepatitis B and pregnancy. Yes, ACOG already covered this, but I do have to be fair. This console series does go a little bit deeper into the hepatitis B topic uh, because the one from ACOG back in August was a little bit more broad in in its uh, content. It was all viral hepatitis and pregnancy, but you can go back to August the 26th and listen to that episode in our archive. But as a great refresher and, and to go through some other questions that that uh, update in August didn't really go into, we're, we're focusing on this today. Plus, in our commitment to get things again that are out in press quickly, uh, this just came out on December the 21st, 2023. So we wanted to do this as a quick update. So Yes, ACOG did it. SMFM is on those heels, on those coattails. But hey, who am I to judge? I don't judge. Don't judge me! I don't know why you always have to be judging me. That's why I've been judging it. All right, to December the 21st, 2023, this is SMFM's highlights from console series number 69, Hepatitis B in Pregnancy. And and I get it, as I've said many times before, if you listen or you see one of our topics, you're like, ah, I already got it. It's again, it's that's just not my thing. It's not my patient population. Um, well, it could be. I mean, according to the CDC, even though we've had a national campaign to increase hepatitis B vaccination, there are a lot of people who are still just non-immune to hepatitis B, which puts them at risk. Uh, and everyone is at risk. Yes, certain populations are higher risk, but this thing is out there. And there is, once again, since 2022, this national campaign uh, through ACIP to to really increase vaccination in adults. And we'll talk about that in pregnancy. And I know, yes, it's like another vaccine that you can offer patients in pregnancy. My goodness, you've got RSV, um, you've got already Tdap, you've got COVID, you've got the flu. But what if your patient comes in and you find on her initial uh, prenatal labs that she lacks immunization, she lacks immunity to hepatitis B? Can you give hepatitis B vaccine in pregnancy? That's why we're bringing this up. That's why we're doing this episode. And we're going to answer that in just a minute. Here's why this really is a big deal regarding pregnancy and why it matters to us as women's health care providers and as obstetrical care providers. In the general population, okay, in the non-pregnant population, thankfully, most people who get hepatitis B can clear it. It doesn't become a chronic issue. However, in contrast to that hepatitis B acquisition in adulthood non-pregnant state, 
there is a higher chance of lifelong infection, chronic infection with perinatal transmission. Okay, and, and what that means is, if this child gets hepatitis B, then that kid, that that baby, has a much higher chance to get chronic infection and associated long-term sequelae than if hepatitis B was acquired as an adult. Okay, so this is why it's a big deal. Once again, chronic hepatitis B infection can develop in up to 90% of perinatally exposed neonates who don't receive the appropriate immunoprophylaxis. And we're going to talk about neonatal immunoprophylaxis in just a minute. But that's the big take-home message here is that, you know, an adult gets hepatitis B, they typically can clear it. Very few will go on to develop chronic hepatitis with those sequelae. But if a child gets it, perinatally exposed neonates, they have up to a 90% chance of it sticking with them with that long-term morbidity, all right? And that's if they do not receive immunoprophylaxis. Immunoprophylaxis is highly effective. I mean, it's just remarkable at reducing the rates of, of neonatal acquisition of this, regardless of whether the mom used uh, antiviral medication or not, which of course we'll talk about. But that's a big clinical pearl, is that unlike getting this in an adult, if a kid gets it uh, at time of delivery, based on SMFM's data and the CDC, 90% can get chronic infection. And, and that's just horrifying for the child. Remember that chronic hepatitis B viral infection is a major source of hepatocellular carcinoma around the world. And that leads to about 50% of the cases worldwide and 80% of cases in high endemic areas where hepatocellular carcinoma lives is due to chronic hepatitis B. So this is why it's important. We've got to identify our pregnant patients who, number one, don't have immunity to hepatitis B to try to offer them some immunity. And then the second is identify those who actually are infected. Now, remember, and we talked about this in August, that hepatitis B surface antigen in a pinch is okay. You can get that quickly as a standalone test. But it's much better to get the triple panel test because sometimes a patient can actually be infected and they fall into that little window where hepatitis B surface antigen is now down um, and the antibody has not completely come up and they're in this little gap and, and they may read falsely negative. So by doing the triple panel test, which again, this is relatively recent guys, and we covered this in August, but that was launched from the CDC in March of 2023. And if you didn't listen to that August 26th episode and you don't know what the triple panel is, I'm going to tell you right now. So the best way to screen for hepatitis B infection is by the triple panel. That is hepatitis B surface antigen. That's still a thing. The antibody to hepatitis B surface antigen and total antibody to hepatitis B core. All right. So that is the best way to make sure that you're not missing anybody who's falling into the little gap. If you remember your medical school, nursing school, the little H, uh, HBV uh, infectivity, little graph. Remember that with all the little dotted lines? I still see that in my head. Uh, but that's a great reminder that it is possible for patients to fall into a little gap if you just get hepatitis B service engine alone. Now, you don't have to do that all the time. That needs to be done at least once in their lifetime. All right. So just to be clear, while you can get that with every pregnancy, CDC and SMFM says triple panel is at least once. 
Okay, so universal one-time triple panel testing, regardless of vaccination status, can help identify patients who are still susceptible to infection. Then after that, then it's okay to get hepatitis B surface antigen if that one-time triple test has been done. So just to be complete and to be fair, I want to read the complete wording taken out of this uh, consult series number 69 regarding the triple test. Okay, super easy. Quote, we recommend triple panel testing, which we've already talked about. That's hepatitis B surface antigen. That is the antibody to hepatitis B surface antigen and the total antibody to hepatitis B core that should be done at the initial prenatal visit if it was not previously documented or known to have been performed. All right, so get it once if they have no idea if they've ever had that and you don't have the results, okay? And then after that, it says, quote, we recommend universal hepatitis B surface antigen screening alone at the initial prenatal visit for all other pregnancies where there's been a previously documented negative triple panel test, end quote. All right, there you go. So at least once in their lifetime, doesn't mean it's wrong to do it every time they get pregnant. That's okay. Just a little overkill. It's the best, but at least do it once and then hepatitis B surface antigen would be totally acceptable to get thereafter. All right, everyone, we're going to walk this thing down like if we have a patient at the first prenatal visit and we do her triple test because she's never had it. And lo and behold, wow, you think she's got active hepatitis B. So first of all, let's tackle this like she's infected and talk about prenatal care and then when to give medications and what to do with the child. And then we're going to go to the scenario of the triple test that's negative meaning negative, like she doesn't even have previous uh, immunity to hepatitis B. So first, let's walk down the line that we got the triple test, and she actually has positive infection, current infection, with hepatitis B viral infection. So the first thing to ask is, all right, do we need to somehow alter our routine prenatal care? Do they need antepartum surveillance? Do they need rate of growth ultrasounds? And SMFM says, even though the data is limited, there's nothing that says that we need to alter routine prenatal care because thankfully they do not seem to be associated with preterm birth, low birth weight, or GDM. So do routine prenatal care, do routine indications for fetal surveillance, so hepatitis B viral infection as a standalone issue doesn't require anything different except monitoring, of course, of viral loads, all right? And viral loads gets into uh, when to offer treatment, so let's do that next. It seems that, according to the data, the highest risk of transmission to the child, the highest risk of perinatal infection, has to do with the maternal level of, of virus, all right? The maternal hepatitis B viral DNA level. And at a level of greater than 200,000 international units per ml, that seems to be a big risk factor, all right? Now, thankfully, neonatal immunization and neonatal immunoprophylaxis greatly reduces that risk of acquisition, but we'll get to that in a minute. But right now, remember, we've identified her as positive. We're getting our routine prenatal care. We're doing uh, serial monitoring for hepatitis uh, B DNA viral load. And at 200,000 IUs per ml, that seems to be the biggest predictor of in utero transmission and perinatal uh, acquisition. So in those individuals that have that viral load and they're not already on medication, right? This is assuming that they're medication naive. If they come into pregnancy 
already on the first-line medication, which is tenofovir, then keep them on it, right? You don't have to take them off. However, if you identify it in pregnancy, you start medication at a viral load of 200,000, right? 200,000, and that's IUs per ml. Some labs give different kind of results. They may do it in, in log values, but you got to do a conversion because the SMFM number really is 200,000 IUs per ml. If you look for the log 10 number, then it's 5.3 log to the 10 international units per ml. But most just use a regular IU per ml unit, okay? So 200,000 IUs per ml. That's where you begin antiviral therapy with tenofovir. All right, everyone, here's a clinical pearl. Remember that there's two different kinds of tenofovir. There's TAF and then TDF. These are both fumarates, all right? So the F in the, in the last letter for either TAF or TDF means that they're both fumarate compounds. But TAF, which is kind of the newer one, seems to have less long-term harmful effects like bone mineral density effects. It tends to be a little bit gentler and kinder on renal function with long-term use, right? Both are okay in pregnancy, but TAF, which is tenofovir alafenamide fumarate, is preferred. All right, podcast family, I know these names are kind of a pain in the ass, but it's super important. The main thing is tenofovir. And if you have any question, of course, you can call your SMFM physician, your ID, your hepatologist, but just remember tenofovir. But TAF, tenofovir, alafenamide fumarate seems to be kinder and gentler than tenofovir disoproxyl fumarate, which is TDF. But nonetheless, either one is okay. But TAF is preferred and is considered first line among pregnant women. So TAF. So remember, hepatitis B, active infection, 200,000. TAF, that is TAF, tenofovir, alafenamide, fumarate. All right, so remember our little walk down treatment lane. She came in. We did a triple test. She's positive. Oh, my goodness. We're going to give her education. We're going to uh, talk about screening family members. We're going to do our um, our medication, our viral load check, so we know when to start medication. And it's preferred to start medication in the third trimester, okay? So just to be clear, in the third trimester, this is where this really matters. So just kind of follow it for now. You can do repeat LFTs. You can do uh, uh, DNA viral levels. Um, and you can do them as needed. However, the best time to get that, because it's not really going to change management before that, is at 28 to 32 weeks, okay? So just to be clear, in those that have a viral load under 200,000, SMFM states, quote, they should not start using tenofovir because immunoprophylaxis, meaning treating the child at delivery, is highly effective in preventing perinatal transmission with these lower viral loads, end quote, all right? Now, I know that makes people uncomfortable because they're like, you just want me to watch 100,000 hepatitis B viral load? Yeah, it's, it's exactly what you're supposed to do because the risk is highest at greater than 200,000 in the third trimester. So you can get it viral loads before that just to kind of trend and do LFT checks. That's totally okay. Knowing that the time to start medication is in the early third trimester, right? So that's a clinical pearl. You can do lab tests to monitor, totally okay, but you're going to start medication early third trimester. And before we leave this topic on medication, you'd only use it again 
if that viral load is over what? Over 200,000. All right, I think we're done with that. Now, what if the patient asks, should I do a C-section to prevent the, the child from getting this? The answer is no. It sounds great. Everybody likes it. We can try to uh, do something that's a big intervention, but it's not necessary, right? So just to be clear, there is no data. And SMFM states, you do not have to perform a C-section just to try to prevent perinatal transmission, once again, because that neonatal immunoprophylaxis that we're about to talk about next is highly effective, all right? So does hepatitis B viral infection require a C-section? No, it does not. So now as we're walking through our maternal care timeline, the baby is born, and this is where neonatal immunoprophylaxis come in, all right? So this is a CDC thing. This is ACOG, SMFM, that within 12 hours of birth, both. It's a combination of hepatitis B vaccination and hepatitis B immune globulin, HBIG. Both of those should be given within 12 hours. According to SMFM, quote, to all newborns of hepatitis B surface antigen positive pregnant women or those with unknown or undocumented hepatitis B surface antigen status, regardless of whether the mom was on antiviral therapy during pregnancy, end quote. All right. So, hey, we don't have a hepatitis B result. We, she just came in, plopped out a child. Uh, so we don't know. Now, obviously, you would think you'd be able to get it. But nonetheless, uh, SMFM does put that in there. If there's an unknown status or definitely to hepatitis B service antigen positive uh, mothers, then those childs need that those children need those childs. Is that what I said? Those childs need? My goodness, I told you all many times that I learned Spanish first, all right? English is a second language. And then I lived in then I live in Texas, so it's not even Spanish, it's like Tex-Mexican, uh, which has its own issues. All to say, I know that the child's is not right. <laughs> Their children require both, right? So it is both <laughs> hepatitis B vaccination and HBIG. Okay, podcast family, let's keep on moving. So what if she asks about breastfeeding? Well, that is totally okay. Yes, it is fine for patients who have hepatitis B viral infection to breastfeed during pregnancy with one caveat. All right, so here's a caveat is that they should have received, those children should have received this immunoprophylaxis correctly. Okay, so yes, breastfeeding can be totally acceptable as long as the child has received the appropriate medication. Here's a big clinical pearl. It's not just about immunoprophylaxis alone. There's some common sense involved here, okay? So it's in the console series, as you would expect, that if one of the nipples, if one of the breasts is bleeding, right? So if there's cracked nipples um, and, and there's uh, blood contamination into the milk, then common sense is to discard that milk from the affected breast, but you can continue to have them feed or pump from the unaffected breast until the nipple is well healed to prevent further exposure of the newborn to a blood and viral load, all right? So what are the two caveats? The biggest is that the child needs immunoprophylaxis. And then the second, as common sense, and it's in this console series, if there's bleeding cracked nipples, that breast milk should be pumped, discarded, with breastfeeding continuing on the on the healthy breast until the affected breast heals. That makes sense, so don't forget that. So people just quickly answer, hey, can you breastfeed with hepatitis B? Yes, yes, they can. Well, wait a minute. Yes, they can if the child had effective immunoprophylaxis within 12 hours and the nipples aren't cracked and bleeding. 
Before we leave this scenario of the patient found to have hepatitis B viral infection, uh, and we talk about the patient who's non-immune and non-infected, a quick word about one more vaccination in the hepatitis B infected patient. Remember, we don't want them to have any other hits that are out there to their liver, all right? So SMFM, ACOG, and CDC all are on the same page here that in patients with chronic hepatitis B viral infection, they also need to be checked for immunity to hepatitis A. And if they are not immune to hepatitis A, man, I know it's like, how many vaccines can I give a pregnant woman? Well, add this one to the list also. So hepatitis A vaccination for chronic hepatitis B virus patients, all right, that is endorsed by SMFM even in pregnancy. It's totally safe. It's okay. And hepatitis A vaccine is two doses. All right. So just to be clear, in patients with chronic hepatitis B viral infection, um, they should be offered screening for hepatitis A immunity. And if they don't have immunity to hepatitis A, then offer them vaccination. Okay. And, and I get it at some point, every time a new vaccine comes out, you're like, oh, how? I mean, She's like a pincushion, but it's in her best interest and is totally safe. As we get ready to wrap this up, remember, we've just walked down the case of a patient being found to have hepatitis B as an incidental finding during pregnancy. This is a new diagnosis, right? We talked about monitoring liver function, when to start medication, which is early third trimester. You don't need a C-section for that. If they require an amnio or some other invasive diagnostic procedure for whatever other reason, then shared decision-making can be done because remember, it's routine prenatal care with that information that, you know, not a lot of data on invasive procedures with this, but if the diagnostic yield is higher, than the potential risk of infection, then that is something that the patient may consider with shared decision-making. We talked about neonatal immunoprophylaxis and about breastfeeding. But what happens if the patient on her triple test is found to not be infected, which is great, but also not have immunity? Okay, so, and that's the catch, is remember, there is this universal move, according to the CDC and ACIP, to do universal adult immunization. Since April of 2022, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice, that's the ACIP, has put out a statement that universal adult vaccination for hepatitis B should be done for, quote, all adults aged 19 to 59 years of age, end quote. Now, some colleges, some universities, some schools require this, but just because they got the vaccine doesn't mean that they have immunity, right? I mean, they may not have, it may not have taken. And so this leaves these patients uh, in, in a gap that leaves them vulnerable to infection. So April 2022, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice says, yes, there should be universal hepatitis B vaccination starting at age 19 all the way up to 59. Hepatitis B vaccination, based on the data, is totally safe and it's still effective in pregnancy. There's no drop in seroconversion or immunogenicity. It still works. And there's even data that you can do a shorter, an abbreviated schedule. Remember, it's three injections. In an adult, it's given at month zero and then one month later and then six months from that. So zero, one, and six months. 
But in pregnancy, you can actually do zero, one, and four months. Okay, so that's in the SMFM console series. All to say is if a patient is found to be uh, not immune by vaccination to hepatitis B, then you can offer them hepatitis B vaccination in pregnancy. And you can do it at month zero, one, and then four months rather than zero, one, and six months. Now, I do want to clarify something. There's not a lot of data um, regarding those patients who actually completed all the series, okay, got three shots, and then don't have documented, don't have serum evidence of immunity. It's unclear. Do they just need one additional shot? Do they need nothing? Do they need all three? So it's kind of unclear, right? The easiest is, hey, you're not immune and you've never had the vaccine. Well, then get the vaccine, even in pregnancy. That's okay. But just to be very clear, it's a little gray in those who've had previous immunization, whether or not they need to be re-immunized with a booster, with all three, or, or nothing. Because the thought is, even though they may have super low levels of antibody, if they've done the, the three series correctly, should they see hepatitis B again? Should they be introduced to it? Should they have an encounter that their their uh, humoral memory will kick on? Okay, so to be very clear, here's the, the, the wording from the console series regarding those with previous vaccination, uh, but who seem to not have documented immunity based on, on serum testing. Okay, quote, most patients who have documentation demonstrating a completed hepatitis B vaccination series do not need repeat immunization, although there is no evidence that receiving additional doses of the hepatitis B vaccine is harmful, end quote. So that's it's a little kind of gray. They're a little confusing. Easiest is, hey, you're not immune and you have no previous history of the vaccine. Get vaccinated. But you've had previous vaccination. I mean, I'm looking at the card. It looks like you had it at zero, one, and six months, but your triple test shows no immunity. Unclear what to do there, right? Like, I don't know. You've, you've already been vaccinated. You don't have any soldiers, but should you your body go to war with hepatitis B, they can be actively recruited. That's the thought. Now, to me, I'm a little uncomfortable with that because in my brain, hey, if, if you are, if you don't have any measurable antibody to hepatitis B surface, you're not immune. So the easiest to me is even if you have vaccination history and um, you have negative antibody, it's okay to offer immunization. That's my debate on what how I look at the data because it's not harmful, all right? But the no-brainer is not immune, no, pre no previous vaccination, give them vaccine. The gray part is previous vaccination, no immunity, unclear what they need. Okay, and this SMFM series says they probably do not need vaccination. So I'll leave that there. Podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have summarized the new SMFM console series number 69, which came out December the 21st, 2023. And yes, I promise we will be back before the end of the year, but probably not before uh, the Christmas holiday is over. So to those uh, who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. I look forward to not being on call for these next couple of days. Um, and I somehow have to prevent myself from reading my journals when I promised that I wouldn't. I may have to sneak one in when they're outside. All right, podcast family, as always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls. 